it's the lighting, it's the stage production, it's all of the art installations, the map as well. It's a world. Welcome to One Night in Bangkok. I'm Sav. I'm Charlie. And I'm MJ. And together, we're bringing you the crazy travel stories from around the world that never made it into the guidebooks. Cabin crew, prepare for takeoff. It's time for Ticket to Tell, where we give you a boarding pass to have a shot on the mic. Each week, we'll ask a question and share our favourite answers. When did you first find out that you loved travel? When I was about two and a half and my mum, who is probably the best well-travelled person I know, told me stories about selling, uh, putting lipstick lids in Paris. Um, and then she got engaged with a man there and went from Paris to London and worked out he was a gun dealer and ran away from him. And from that moment on, I wanted to go to London and get engaged to a gun dealer, which didn't happen, but I got to go to London many times. I think it really came to me at a very, very young age. So my parents are nomads, they travel a lot. And one of my very earliest memories of childhood, that smell when you're going from the air walk onto an aeroplane. And there's that little section in between the walk and the plane and there's a smell of like plastic. But from a really young age, I was on aeroplanes all the time. And that's what I remember. So for me, it's really natural that I've always loved to travel and see different places. So grab your boarding pass and you too can get involved. Head to our Instagram at one night in BKK podcast. Slide into our DMs and send us a voice note of your answer to this question and you might feature in a future episode. Hello, welcome back to One Night in Bangkok. Uns, uns, uns. This week we're talking <laughs> music festivals. Uns, uns, uns. Who's bad? <laughs> Another one. Oh, what an intro. Even I'll say that myself. Stoked for this episode. I've always wanted to go to a music festival overseas, but I just haven't. Got to one yet. What about you guys? Well, you're going to hear all about mine. So, um, my, 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 yeah, I, long story short, I went to Lollapalooza in Berlin and you're about to hear all about it. Yeah. I haven't been to any music festivals overseas, actually. Which is what about either? The, the, so, say, what about those ones in Byron and whatnot? Oh, yeah. I went to um, Splendor in the Grass in Byron which was sick. I had a really, really good time. But actually, we were supposed to go to um, Mystic Garden in Amsterdam for my birthday last year, but obviously Miss Rona wrecked all of that. <laughs> so that was going to be my first overseas We both music had festival. music festivals booked last year. I, oh. I had Mad Call as well in I, Oh, yeah. Same I've always man. wanted to do Isle of Wight as well, and I've always really wanted to do Burning Man. So they're two ones that are definitely on my radar for sure, but yeah. haven't haven't gotten around to doing it yet, but definitely on the bucket list. There's so many, it's ridiculous. If you could go to anyone this year, like let's pretend Corona doesn't is not a thing, what, which one would you go to? 
Mm, I probably would do Burning Man. Otherwise, Same. if they were doing Mad Cool again, that lineup was fucking sick. Like, mm. I remember Sav, we had way too many wines at your house and we were up at 5 a.m. trying to book tickets and ANZ were blocking my card and I was on the phone to the bank being like, let me book this ticket, I swear it's me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the worst part about that is that we, we did buy it in the end. I think I used my card and then we realised the next day in the cold, sober light that you weren't able to attend anyway. You yeah. had something else on that weekend. Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Talk about getting carried away in the moment. I know. And then the worst part is obviously like what you said, MJ, Miss Rona came along and, you know, stuffed this all up for us. But Sav, you came and did a bit of a lockdown with us in Edinburgh and we fully had your mad cool pack arrive and you had like a mad cool drink bottle, a tote bag, like all of this like stuff for mad cool. And we're like, fuck, this is just a kick in the teeth. (laughs) (laughs) It's like rubbing salt in the wound. Like literally I had the wristband and everything. (laughs) Oh, that was the worst. (laughs) drink token no it was a ride token a token to go on a ride (laughs) i think i've still got it actually yeah i'd be holding on to that (laughs) you never know well i'm really excited to live vicariously through these stories this week so let's get into them let's go (laughs) (laughs) meet josh you might remember him from his five-day trip of a lifetime in india after drinking a laced bung lassie This time, he helps me fill in the blanks at the very first Lollapalooza Berlin. This is our story. Hello, Josh. Welcome back to One Night in Bangkok. G'day. Thanks for having me back. I am not that excited this time because we're actually not telling your story. We're kind of telling one of my stories. Uh, So, yeah, for context, I mean, you asked me um, if I had any stories around festivals and I said, look, the best story I have is is your story, really, which I was a part of, but it's yours. But as we started talking, it it become clear that you actually are not clear on the whole story yourself. And so I'm probably here to to really, uh, as your support person... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um, we were talking just before we hit record and I actually thought that some things happened on over two days, but you're telling me it's all one day. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So, okay. so, th- so there's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was a wild a time. Unpack. Absolutely. It's a, it's, it's a real, um, it's, it's a real quest. So you're in, we're in Berlin because you yeah. and your wife had decided to basically bring a crew together for, it was like a hen's bucks show, wasn't it? Really? Yeah, that's, what we, yeah. that's what we were calling it. It just so happened that we were going to do Lollapalooza was that weekend. And then the following weekend um, was Oktoberfest in Munich. So it was kind of a, a perfect storm to have. It was a really chill couple of weeks. <laughs> absolutely. No absolutely. drama, no no drinking. Yeah. And, I, and I think from memory, we flew in, did Lollapalooza, did Octoberfest then flew home. We were only there for a week. And so, yeah, so we ended up going to this festival. We're going to Lollapalooza in Berlin. And the, the super cool thing about it was that they were doing it at uh, Tempelhof Airport, which is a an old airport. I, I believe they were using it up until after World War II, but it was the main airport in Berlin. It's not used anymore. Um, it's been converted into a big park, but the, all the terminals are still there. So it was basically this festival out in this, like, airstrip. Is that your recollection? <laughs> yeah, so far it's lining up with what, with what I remember. It was definitely really good atmosphere. I remember that. Everyone was really excited. 
I think because it was the first time they were doing it there at that location. I don't think they've done it there since either. I was trying no, to look it up. No, they haven't. It was they a moved one-off. Out of there. Yeah, they moved out of there the next year. And I think we probably have a good idea why. Uh, <laughs> you know, the whole point that it was the first year, it's important to mention because there were so many things they were doing that they probably had planned but hadn't done in practice. I don't know if you remember, but they had, it was cashless and, and you had this wristband, you it had like a QR code, that was your code, you loaded it up with cash from your credit card and that was how you paid for everything. And I remember when we went, um, on the first day, the wristbands didn't work. <laughs> so, everyone, <laughs> so everyone was like sitting there and they had the, I remember they had these really cool bars where they would make cocktails for you. Uh, And it was all over the place and no one could buy them because they wouldn't accept cash and they also didn't have the wristbands (laughs) working for the first like three hours. And so you had all these people lining up and, and, you know, when that did go live and it started working, it was a pent up demand. Yeah, I think we have quite different memories, but this is this is one of the things that I remember the most is we, we work. So day two is the day we're talking about. I woke up in the morning on day three at the, at this really cool Airbnb that we were all staying at, and I remember walking out into the lounge room and I, I saw you and you just looked at me and started laughing. Yeah, and I was like, "What are you laughing at?" And he was like, "You were like you don't, you don't remember, do you?" I'm like, "Remember what?" Yeah, yeah. and then you looked at me and said, "You drank piss yesterday." <laughs> said no I didn't yeah and you you absolutely were adamant and I think you had to get your brother out to come and verify the story because I didn't remember any of this yeah well several people could verify it and um (laughs) and so they did because you just didn't believe us and which is fair enough because if I couldn't recall that and someone accused me of having drunk piss I would (laughs) I would just think there's no way there's no way that happened. But and you don't want it to be true. So it's like, no, course. surely that's yeah. not. Sure. You're like, what? There's a 90% chance? No, 100%. Like it was witnessed. But it's it's not that simple. It, there, there is, you know, there is a setup here and, you know, how it came to be. And, and it starts back on day one where we were talking about, you know, some of the things the festival weren't, weren't maybe getting right um, or, or some of the things that were starting to go a bit sideways. So... I can lay up kind of how it came to be. So day one, went to the festival, had a great time, and uh, everyone was getting on it. Well, so towards the end of that first day, I believe, I remember that some of the cubicles, they started shutting down. They were like, the, the, the water flow's not happening or something. And I don't think anyone really thought much of it. There were a couple, you know, you just tactically work out, we can't go to these toilets anymore. That's not the go. So that was day one, all good. We had a great time. And uh, and day two, and we were staying at this Airbnb. You're right. It was just down the road from the festival. It was maybe like walking distance, like for, uh, less than a kilometer from from memory. And and day two, I remember I was excited for, and everyone was in in good spirits. And we got in, and because the wristbands and everything were working, you could start drinking if you wanted to pretty early. And so um, us and probably forty five thousand other people thought that was a good idea. And uh, I mean, there were, I don't think there was much interesting that happened during the day. Do you remember any like anything? Come, come, come to your <laughs> well, see, this is where I, I thought this happened. I thought the piss drinking happened quite early, and then as it got dark, I got lost. But you're telling me it happened towards. Well, the you end. didn't get lost, and I think this is there's some points here that need to be clarified. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened? And this is where the story begins. You think there's two or three 
stories that happen, but they're really all the same story. Just it's like an act one, act two, and then the finale, right? So act one <laughs> begins <laughs> about halfway through the second day. All the toilets at the festival have stopped working. <laughs> I remember this. So I remember basically the queue to get into a toilet was upwards of an hour. Yes. And of course, when you've been day drinking all day and it's beer and you just, like you don't have an hour, you just don't have the hour to wait. So people had begun pissing against the fences. Everywhere. Um, like just everywhere, especially guys. But but it got to the point where girls were as well because you just physically couldn't hold it. It was out. literally not a toilet in the festival. No. By, day, by no. halfway through day two and no one. They didn't know what they were doing. They were just like, we don't know. No one can speak German. I was like, no one knew what was going on. We were like, okay, well, there's no toilets. There's no solution. I'm pretty sure they're not planning on fixing it because I haven't seen any staff anywhere for two days. Cool. (laughs) And because we're at an airport, if you can imagine an airport, it's, it's one building that perfectly cascades around all the stages because you've got all the stages in front of the terminals. So... We're on a runway, right? A concrete runway. Yeah. That's that's basically what we're on. And people aren't stupid. They figured it out. It's the wall or the field, and that's it. (laughs) That's what I remember. There were no toilets, and I don't really recall it being, like, an issue. It was just a matter of fact, oh, toilets don't work. This is how it is now. Like, there's no toilets, so we just have to piss on the wall. This is it. This is it. I mean, it sounds gross. Now that I'm saying it out loud, it sounds disgusting. But it was just the reality. There was nothing else we could do. Yeah, and, you you know, for anyone that's been to a festival, when you're day two, 40 beers in, like, if that's the biggest problem you got, you're doing okay. (laughs) Anyway, so now it's it's later. It's probably, you know, um, starting to go to dusk you know the sun's starting to go down and everyone's well and truly been drinking and we and me and my brother and my friend were teasing you and i can't remember why something had something inconsequential something small we were just kind of hanging shit on you right what i remember is especially your brother was dancing in my face and like yes. up on me like to piss me off and it was yes. working and I, and I was yeah. getting like worked up about it so I was like get away from me like stop dancing on me and um, and so you know we were doing that just being losers and, and I think after about five minutes you kind of got over it and kind of stomped off and were like oh, I don't want to like I don't want to play with you guys anymore and walked off <laughs> and and this is the moment Ryan you walked off and you sat down next to my wife and her friends and they had um like beers in front of them and you grabbed one of the beer bottles and you were like, you know, fuck those guys, whatever. And you took a big swig of of beer, except it wasn't beer. (laughs) (laughs) Because as we discussed earlier, the toilets weren't working. People have been getting particularly creative and I think you just drank piss. No. Okay. So I do remember this bit. So what, because I've heard um, our friend Fari talk about this story because she was the one that was there with us. Yes, yes. And she, I remember her saying, oh, my God, look at that beer. Like, it's foaming in the bottle. <laughs> <laughs> and then she turns to me and she's like, what does that beer taste like? And I was like, oh, it's a bit salty, actually, now that you say that. <laughs> And that's when they're like, right, she just drank piss. Like, yeah. So someone's obviously not been able to use the toilets that didn't exist and was bored of the wall or the field. So they've migrated to using beer bottles. But then instead of placing it somewhere like, I don't know, a bin, they've just left it in the circle where everyone's sitting down. A thorn amongst the roses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you imagine like, a, a say, seven beer bottles. They all look the same. It, you wouldn't be able to tell by looking at them because they're not clear. How do you know by looking at it if it's piss or beer? 
Yeah. And they were serving the beer in bottles. It was in a, a right. proper bottle. Right. It wasn't so, a cup. No, it wasn't a cup. So someone has either gone like knob to bottle and <laughs> like fully gone for it or or the female equivalent of that. So, you know, like there would have been a bit of manoeuvring. It wasn't, it wasn't a wide target. So yes, that happened. And it did happen because everyone saw it. Everyone (laughs) saw it happen. That was Act 1. Well, yeah, this is where Act 1 kind of, I suppose, yeah, starts to to move on. Because then as soon as we found out that it happened, we were just relentless. We thought it was the funniest thing ever. And it was, but we were absolutely just ripping shreds on you. And I think it probably drove you to drink more, not piss, just to drink more alcohol to try and erase this memory of what had just happened. Because it was probably traumatic, I imagine. So anyway, so then you're sitting there and you're kind of being a bit grumpy because everyone is teasing you that you've drunk piss, which you had. (laughs) And you wanted to go to the main stage and my brother offered to walk you there. That's, That's how it went down. So he told me, because from my point of view... This is where the last time I see you (laughs) in this story, I don't see you again until you're in the apartment the next day, right? So my recollection is my brother comes back about an hour later and he goes, Sav's gone. (laughs) And I go, what do you mean? Like it's nine o'clock at night. The headliners aren't even on. He goes, she's gone. She's left. She's not here. And I said, all right, back up. Tell me what's happened. And his story is that he was walking with you to the main stage. You're about halfway through. And you keep keep turning around looking back as if you're waiting for someone. And he is kind of getting a bit confused, like trying to figure out what you're doing. And he goes, he goes, Sav, Sav, what are you doing? And... He said to me that you just looked at him as if he was someone you'd never met before. And to clarify, you know my brother. You've met him many times. (laughs) (laughs) But you looked at him as if he was a total stranger and just ran. (laughs) Just ran ran in the opposite direction from him like total stranger danger. And he was like, he was like, Sav, where are you going? And started chasing after you. Because he's like, what, what, what's going on? We were walking to the main stage. So you start running faster, thinking you're being chased. <laughs> and that you ran, not towards the stage, but you turned the other way, ran back past where we were and out the front gate of the festival and were never seen again. We wanted more details on this part, so we reached out to Josh's brother, Zach, to get his perspective, and this is what he had to say. And I yelled out to her to actually come back with us, and I got a bit closer, probably within two or three metres, and um, as she made eye contact with me, she actually turned around and sprinted like the white female Usain Bolt. Um, At this stage, I didn't even know that she'd been drinking other people's urine out of bottles, Um, which was kind of disgusting, but that's beside the fact. Um, And I actually tried to chase after her for about 20 to 30 metres before uh, I just couldn't keep up with her. And I literally stopped and just thought to myself that this might be the fastest woman alive. Um, And that was basically um, my recollection of that event. (laughs) (laughs) You just left. You ran out of the festival. You left. You never made it to the main stage. You just ran out of the festival You've been drinking all day, drunk piss. You're not in a good place. 
I think we had your wallet and your phone. You definitely have my wallet because I. This is where the Act Three kicks in, and I yeah. remember more it's cash- of Act Three than because it's cashless, right? Like, there's no yeah. need to even have a wallet with you, right? I don't. Yeah, I don't even know why I would have had that. I don't remember leaving the festival, but I think obviously I decided. All right, enough's enough. I'm done, right? And that, and that <laughs> happens after a big day on the on the beers, right? Like you get to the point. Well, I certainly do. We're like, I'm over this, and it usually happens quite quickly. But I decided. So obviously, I'd left the festival. I think I did have my phone, you know, because this is what I remember and there are bits missing. But what I remember is this. I'm wearing a ripped floral shirt that yeah. had previously been worn Correct. by your brother. I was now wearing it stumbling around. We should say as well, this festival wasn't in Berlin, Berlin. It was in no. the outer suburbs. It'd be yeah. like the equivalent of Tullamarine in Melbourne. Like you're not in the city. Like it's, no, it's you're a, in the middle of nowhere. It's, it's, a, it's a Templehof Airport. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah. It's like think about any airport. None of them are in the middle of the mm. city or not many of them. So, yes. Yeah. It's, it's so, so I'm sure in my head my plan was to walk back to this apartment, which we'd said was walking distance, maybe, te- what, 10, 15 minutes? I don't know. Yeah. It wasn't far. No. The problem is, of course, I'm that drunk. I don't know which way is which. And I've gone out the other way to what we normally came. So, you know how we entered from the back of the field? I've now exited a different gate and gone a different, different direction accidentally. This is what I remember. I'm now... I remember being on a highway. I end up on a highway. I've taken a wrong turn. I'm walking down a highway, like a freeway, like one of the German no speed limit highways. And I remember going, okay, this this isn't right because I, we didn't walk down a highway to get to the festival. So this is definitely wrong. So I turn around. I know enough to know that the highway is a bad idea. So I go back towards where I'd come from and I start to cry. I'm getting annoyed now. I'm drunk. I just want to go home. I'm by myself. I, you know, I'm, I'm clearly lost. Anyway, so I start to cry a little bit and this person comes up to me and I was, I was like, they're like, are you okay? I'm like, no, no, I'm lost. And they're like, where are you trying to get to? And I'm trying to say the suburb or the street name. I don't remember what it was now. It was six years ago, but it was, it was something German. And obviously my pronunciation wasn't translating because I kept saying it and this guy just looked at me blankly like I don't know where that is and eventually I typed it on my phone and showed it to him and he was like whoa that's ages away he's like you're four train stops away from there (laughs) that's how far I'd walked is that I wasn't even walking distance from this apartment or this neighborhood anymore he goes you need to get the U-Bahn and the S-Bahn I was like what's an (laughs) U-Bahn so he, this stranger takes me to the train station and we had to walk a fair while. It wasn't like it was right there. It was obvious. He, so we walked to, I think the Uban was first. And of course, I don't have any money. Like My wallet's back with you guys. I, I, so I am then saying, you know, I don't have money for the Uban. He's like, it's fine. I'll get you this ticket. Just hold on to it. And if anyone asks, no one will ask. It's, you know, it's like whatever time it was late at night. He's like, no one's going to ask for it anyway, but just hang on to this ticket. So... I'm now on the U-Bahn and I still to this day don't know the difference between an U-Bahn and an S-Bahn, but they're two different trains. I imagine yeah. it's like in my I mean, mind. It's different it's lines, like, right? Different lines, yeah, but they call them U-Bahn and S-Bahn. Yeah. And so I get on the U-Bahn and he escorts me to the, the changeover station where I go from the U-Bahn to the S-Bahn. So he got the and train with up, you? Yeah, yeah. So he takes me to the changeover station. He's like, all right, now now you need to get on this S train, go two stops and then get off at XYZ station and then you'll be almost right near your Airbnb or ne- you'll at least be in the neighbourhood and you should be able to find your way from there. I said, okay, thank you so much. So he, he then leaves me at this station. So I'm waiting for the S-Bahn 
And as I'm, as I'm waiting for the S1, I'm getting more worked up again because now I'm alone again and I start crying again. And I remember being in the station and I was like, in the S1, like, like sobbing. And this, this other guy comes up to me, a different guy, different German guy, and he comes up and he says, oh, are you okay? I said, no, I'm lost and I, I got, got off the U-Bahn and now I need to get the S-Bahn. I just kept saying U-Bahn and S-Bahn. And he goes, he just looks at me, didn't say anything, and he says, do you like apple cake? I was like, what? He's like, apple cake, do you like it? I was like, yes. I'm guessing he's saying apple cake. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I like it. So he dives into this plastic bag that he's holding rummages around for a bit, rips off a hunk of apple cake. I'm standing there with my hands cupped like, you know, like like you would at the Last Supper and waiting for your doling out of your meal. <laughs> I'm standing there and he just plonks this humongous chunk of apple cake in my hands. And so <laughs> I don't know what else to do at this point. So I just said, thank you, thank you for the apple cake. And then I'm, I'm still crying. I'm like, <sighs> so I'm sobbing, munching on this apple cake from my cupped hands. And look, that's one of the last things I remember. I wish I could tell you how I got home. But all I remember is that I obviously got this other S-Bahn train. And to this day, I still think it's pretty amazing that I found my way back to that apartment because I don't, I don't remember. I must have I obviously got off and recognised something. And also the amount of time that's got. So from, from when you've run off to my brother, uh, from my brother, to when you've come back to the apartment, it's probably like 14 hours have gone by. No, it wasn't you, that long. It would have been because you left it probably, I don't know, maybe a little bit less, maybe like 10 hours because you would have left it, probably would have ran away about seven, about 8 p.m. or something and you came back to the apartment about 6 a.m. I remember that because it, <laughs> it was the morning. That's, I, was, I was up. I told you, I was up. Um, so, no, it was, it was the next morning you came back. So, you must have run pretty far. Um <laughs> To end up four stations away. Because <laughs> there was no highway near where we were. I never saw a highway. No. So no. to end up running, like to see one and then keep going or, you know, to to get that lost, you must have done a little race around Berlin, I reckon. <laughs> but then, yeah, but then you got, but then you got back, right? And so you, mm. you like, I guess at this point you're traumatized, you've, been out for, as I said, it's, I know it's been 10 hours. I can, because I know when you left and I know when you came back. It's been like 10 hours. You've been on this odyssey and, you know, eating apple cake, whatever. And you've obviously forgotten the, the catalyst for this whole series of events was that you drank piss. And so <laughs> when I saw you, I would laugh because I haven't seen you um, since you ran away from my brother. Um, and you looked at me and I was laughing and you were like, what's so funny? I was like, you drank piss. And you were like, no, I didn't. I was like, yeah, you fucking did. You can, you can run as many stations away as you want, but you can't run away from the past. Or the truth. Or the truth. (laughs) (laughs) Which is that you, you did it. You did it. Looking back, what advice would you give yourself? The obvious one is don't drink the piss, but it's not like I did that deliberately. That was an accident. I thought it was beer. Yeah. And I think just my advice to you would be don't be so hard on yourself. Like, (laughs) because, you know, you could have just washed it down with something else (laughs) and had a nice time and seen some great bands and not ended up on the U-Bahn and the S-Bahn and (laughs) all those things. And, you know... Uh, was the apple cake good? Do you remember? 
Do you know what? I can still picture it to this day. Like when I was telling that story, it was the kind of cake, it was like a sponge, but it was dusted with icing sugar and obviously had apples inside. I can still picture it and I can feel it in my hands to this day. It's like one of the very few (laughs) things that I clearly remember, the apple cake. Yeah, yes. Well, you know, I guess you would have missed that experience, but... Yeah, probably for the best though. I think the other thing is um, maybe don't run away from your friends. At a music (laughs) festival. Yeah, at a a music festival in a city that you're not familiar with. Maybe maybe don't. Maybe just take some time to calm down and find another friend. Yeah, well, there were, I said, there were about 45,000 people there. There were many friends you could have found um, within the limits of the, of the festival without running four stations away. Meet Molza. She's our music festival queen, and, of course, she loves the sesh. She leads us down a few garden paths, including Tomorrowland. This is her story. Hello, Molza. Welcome to One Night in Bangkok. Hello. Thanks for having me. Today's episode's all about music festivals. I've already shared my story, but how many have you been to? My, I've probably been to oh, non-Australian festivals, international festivals, probably about six. Um, <laughs> and then Australian festivals, I don't know, like 30, maybe 40. Thousand. Yeah. Thousand. <laughs> Uh, How many do I remember, though? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one. <No. laughs> so what are some of the ones you went to overseas? Yeah, overseas I've done Coachella, second weekend. Mm. Um, I've done Boom Festival, which is like a seven-day-long like alternative kind of festival in Portugal. I've done Nos Primavera Sound. I've done Tomorrowland, which you'll hear about a little oh. bit later. And, yeah, that's all I can think of. I'm sure there's a few others in the mix as well. What was your favourite? My favourite festival, oh, it's like trying to pick a favourite child. My favourite festival <laughs> overseas would be Boom just because, yeah, there's nothing in the world that I've seen like it. But Tomorrowland, for the same reason as well, just like a very well thought out festival and just, yeah, something that you just wouldn't get in Australia. It's just crazy. And what makes a good music festival? Um, I think what makes a good music festival is – a bit of diversity, making sure there's different things to do there. So obviously good music is going to be a good start. But I think, yeah, making sure there's a bit of a balance there so that there's things to do when you're not partying so you can have some downtime as well, as funny as that sounds, makes a good fezzy. And, yeah, I love like art installations or at Boom, for example, there was a massive lake that you could just swim at at any time of the day. So that's good as well. Yeah, I think something out in nature is awesome. So if you're feeling a bit... How you going? There's something nice to <laughs> do a bit of a reset. And so, what about Tomorrowland? I I know a lot of people want to go to Tomorrowland, and it's like notoriously hard to get tickets to go, and people fight over it every year. Not except for this year. So, what's um? Tell me more about Tomorrowland. So, I was lucky enough to score some tickets to Tomorrowland when I first started working in travel, which was a massive deal. Um, It's a festival I'd always wanted to go to and to get the tickets. I was very, very fortunate. So yeah, I won a ticket and then I was allowed to take a plus one. So that obviously was my partner, Zach, which was interesting because we are a pair of sesh gremlins. So knowing that we had to go (laughs) to like a a work hosted event and it was us two, I was just kind of like, oh, this could be trouble, but that's okay. 
so yeah, we went to Tomorrowland and the festival was just crazy, like nothing I'd ever witnessed before. With the camping, you camp, it's probably like a good 20-minute walk from where the camping is to the festival. So you've got that massive walk to and from each day. But I remember day one of Tomorrowland, they do like a warm-up festival night at the campgrounds. And I literally was like, oh, my God, is this the main stage? And someone just looked at me and was like, are you serious? I was like, it's fucking huge. They're like, oh, honey. (laughs) And so, yeah, little did I know what was to come. But, yeah, Tomorrowland's absolutely crazy, like so many different stages. The production of the festival is just out of this world, something I've never, ever witnessed before and probably won't get to witness again. So such an awesome experience. But, um. Do you mean like the lighting and the what? what's everything what like, like it's just the little details I can't even explain it to you like it's the lighting it's the stage production it's all of the art installations the map as well it's a world it literally is like going to the Melbourne show for the first time I know this sounds <laughs> like a really stupid analogy but it's like going to the Melbourne show when you're like five years old and you walk in and you don't know where to look and you're like oh my god and you look at the map it's like that times a thousand but as an adult <laughs> But, yeah, I've got a bit of a funny story with Tomorrowland. So the, the way this story starts is we walk into the festival and the work group wanted to go see Alice in Wonderland. My favourite DJ, Columbo, was doing a three-hour set and I've never seen him. So we were like, okay, well, we've got to go see Columbo, but we'll catch up with you guys later. So we went down, saw Columbo. was awesome, like getting down, drinks, this, that, the other. Um, anyway, so we had a friend that was at this festival from back home and for the purpose of this story, I'm going to call him Dean. So Dean's the kind of friend at home that you kind of just put up with. He can be a bit of a dickhead sometimes and, yeah, not the kind of friend you really want to be at a European festival with, let alone a European festival with a bunch of people that you've been working with for about six months. So anyway. <laughs> We're with Dean and we're at the stage getting down and um, at this point in time we've met up with a bunch of work friends. So we're all just having a good time and Dean's just doing his thing, whatever, and he goes, oh, you know, look at this, look at this. And me and Zach just look, my partner Zach, just look at each other like, oh, here we go, what's he going to do? And he sculls his beer and we're like, oh, yep, cool, all right, on ya. And then once he sculls his beer, he pops the cup on the ground, plastic cup, pulls down his pants and starts pissing in the cup oh and I'm just like oh here we go what's he gonna do (laughs) (laughs) and I'm just like at this at this stage I'm just thinking oh I'm with my work I'm with people I work with like this is not gonna end well so he picks up the cup and then he signals like he's gonna throw it over the crowd and I'm just like oh no this just cannot this cannot be happening right now (laughs) um and I'm like no no Dean don't what are you doing you dickhead he goes, I'm not, I wasn't going to do it. I wasn't going to do it. And then he walks over to this random group of people and he goes, <laughs> and he, I'm just like, oh my God, what is he going to do? And he taps this <laughs> random guy on the shoulder and goes, hey mate, you want a beer? And gives him like a, a full beer, inverted commas. Um, and this guy is just looking at him like, oh, thanks mate. Like what a top bloke. Just giving me a beer at a oh. festival, you know, 12 euros a pop of piss. and no he didn't drink it please so he takes like a few chugs of of the beer (laughs) before he realizes and then he kind of this is like the weirdest part of the story and he he realizes it's piss and the guy just looks at the beer looks at him walks over to a bin 
pops it in the bin and then goes about his business. <gasps> oh, he didn't even say anything. He didn't say anything. Oh, my and I'm God. Just like, he's so lucky. I reckon, imagine I Australia especially. Like, he would have been. I know, I know. And I was just like, what are you doing? Anyway, so Dean comes back <laughs> over, like, thinks thinks it's funny as, but it's literally crickets and it's just the music. Mm, mm, mm. And we're just looking <laughs> at him like. As it like, would what, be. Like, that's hor- that's horrible. What kind of reaction do you want? Well, we're just like, that's not funny. That's disgusting. Anyways, I'm trying to be on my best behavior here with work. So I'm on my high mighty horse, just like, oh, no, we can't do that. No, that's, this is very unlike him. Like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> and then this guy's miso, she comes bounding over, like strutting over. Obviously, there's been a bit of like, no, no, I'm not going to go say anything. And the missus is like, well, fuck this. So the, mis- the miso comes over to us and is like, did you just give my boyfriend a cup of piss? He was just like, no, nah, no, nah, it was beer. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, no. I know. Just disgusting. But fun fact about Tomorrowland, when you leave the toilet cubicles, they even have people there with deodorant cans ready to spray your pits. So I was like, maybe he could just go get like, <laughs> like press mints or something. Yeah, like literally <laughs> walking in like a human car wash, just getting your bits sprayed. <laughs> I was like, just go to the cubicles, mate. They've got you. Yeah, you'll be fine. Amazing. Oh, my God. And then what? what is the, um, what's this David Guetta story that I've heard whispers about? What is uh, happening there? So, yeah, said friend um, was looking for – It's the same guy. It's still Dean. Yeah, friend of ours was looking for some keta, ketamine, and they went up to a European and was like, hey, mate, like, do you know where I can get some keta? And he just, like, cocked his head to the side like a puppy just and, like, gave us, like, a, a like a quiz look and he was just like, David Guetta? And we're like, <laughs> no, what? No. Oh, yeah, David Guetta. He's like, oh, main stage brother. <laughs> I was just like, oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> to be fair, I don't. I, I think that's like such a typical Australian thing to shorten words. Like people probably don't call it keto. I don't know. I don't know. But I'm assuming that that's like an Australian shortened yeah. version, and people have oh, definitely say that. Once you've had yeah. a few beers and stuff, you just yeah, <laughs> like, mate, you know where the servo is? They're like petroleum. <laughs> <laughs> and what are the odds that David Guetta was actually at that fat festival though? That's even funnier. Because <laughs> if he wasn't actually there, they'd be like, no, he's not playing. <laughs> <laughs> main stage, main stage bro. <laughs> <laughs> what what advice would you give yourself if if you could give yourself some advice? Like let's say like music festivals, what do you reckon the one piece of advice you would give yourself would be? Ditch Dean. yeah don't bring your dickhead mates (laughs) nah i think for festivals just have as much fun as possible like i don't think we did could have done anything different in that situation just ditch the dickhead dean you've got you've got a story from australia for us from the homeland where whereabouts were you set it up for us okay so i'm not going to name names for this festival but i'll i'll give some clues i'll drop some breadcrumbs for you guys because if you've been to a few aussie festivals you'll be able to pick it from a mile away so this particular festival for this year was notorious for running out of bags of ice and drinking water by day two or three so which is you've got one job like keep people hydrated i know i know to be fair it was like really really hot it was like like mid 30s and just yeah a bit of a shit show 
pardon the pun. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, this particular festival, really, really hot. And I think um, because it was so hot and there wasn't that much shade, no water, no ice, it just um, equated to everyone staying at their campsite the whole time, just smashing nangs and beer bongs. Which isn't the worst time ever, but you can imagine on day four when I'm packing up and this happens, I'm feeling pretty dusty. So it's not the best, the it's not the most ideal thing you want for your pack up. So basically, we're packing everything up, tent, marquee, everything, and I'm going to load it in the car. And I walk over to my car, and um, there's just this really, really bad smell coming from my friend Gab's car next to me. And I'm just like, what the fuck? Like, that stinks. Like, that, like, I don't know if it's something off or, like, it just smelled like shit. And I was like, this is disgusting. So I walk over to Gab's like, oi, Huns, your car stinks. Like, I don't know what's wrong with it, but you might want to go check it out. Anyway, so Gab's walks over to the car and she comes running back. She's like, mate, that's not my car. It's yours. I'm like, wait, what do you mean? (laughs) So... I've got a little Mazda too. I've had it forever. I love it. But my pops got me personalized plates when I was like 18 for my 18th birthday. So in pink writing on my car, it says Molly R. So I can't help but think that these next events that happen, I don't think it's a coincidence. Let's just put it that way. (laughs) So I go over to my bonnet to inspect what apparently is the stench. And I see that on my bonnet, there's two dusty like boot marks. So not only has this person decided they're going to keep their shoes on, rude, they've just stepped <laughs> up onto my bonnet with their dusty boots and then I inspect my eyes go up a little bit further and I see right in the middle of my windscreen someone has taken a big, hot, steamy, caked-on dump on my windscreen. <laughs> How big are we talking? It looked like a cow poo, like because it'd been, <laughs> it had been baked on there, like it must have been day one or day two before the dehydration kicked in because it looked like, you know, it just been splattered on there and then caked on for a couple of days in the heat and no one was using their oh. water. We didn't have any water left to tip on there because, <laughs> because they'd sold out. So that wasn't an option. And I'm kind of at this point just like, get me the fuck home. I'm really bad with my car as well. I don't like fill up the um, windscreen wipers or anything. So I didn't have any water in the windscreen wipers. And before my partner, Zach, could say, stop, don't, don't, I just turn the windscreen wiper on and just smear this caked (laughs) across my windscreen. So anyways, we pack up the car. At this stage, I don't even care. I'm just like, okay, yep, whatever. Like this is going to make a good story. Maybe I can tell it on a podcast one day. (laughs) Anyway, so we get into the car. We're loading. You know, we're all going out of the festival and um, we're like, well, we're pretty hungry. Let's go to Macca's. So we drive through Macca's and um, put in our order, you know, do what shit with that. No, thank you. This woman woman is staring at us like she can obviously smell something. And I just turn to her and I'm like, Yes, that is a human shit on my windscreen. <laughs> anyway, so that was a great time. <laughs> I have to ask, do you have any suspicions about who has left this turd on your windshield? At the start, I didn't want to give whoever had done it the satisfaction um, <laughs> and just did some investigating. Um, and then I think I put up like a status. I To this day, look, they've got me. I still can't figure it out. Like, I, I honestly have no idea. I've got a few suspicions of people that have, like, liked statuses or tagged people and I've, you know, tried to mind map it out. But to this day, 
I don't have an answer. So maybe they're listening to this podcast. Maybe we'll find out. Yeah, all in good humour. Like it's pretty funny. So what advice would you give yourself if you could go? I don't know. It's hard because you don't really know what happened. I know. Extra water and and (laughs) get your car serviced, girl. Like come on. Me, Ton, a man who has figured out how to time travel and thinks New Year's is so nice, why not do it twice? And this is his story. Hello, Ton. Thank you so much for coming on One Night in Bangkok. How are you? I'm good. Happy to be here. Yeah, we're stoked to have you. So, Ton, we've got an episode set up about festivals and... We discuss stories about what happens overseas and different experiences. Yours is a little bit different. Yours is kind of about an experience that you're setting up for other people. So we hear that you've got a festival where you can actually do New Year's Eve twice. So that to me is just something that blows my mind. And how does that even work? Possibility. Can you please explain for the listener how that's a possibility? Sure. So we, we do it twice in consecutive nights. The festival is called uh, New Year's Twice, as, as you just said. And we do it uh, first in Auckland and then second night in Honolulu in Hawaii. The time difference is 23 hours and then the flight is about eight. So we party a normal party or normal festival in Auckland. Uh, we have a flight at 8.30 a.m. the next day. Uh, fly to Honolulu and then we arrive again on the 31st of December uh, 2021 uh, to Honolulu before 6 p.m. for sure maybe even a bit earlier and then we party again and we stay in Hawaii for about a week with many organized activities more parties hiking and uh, so on. That just blows my mind because mm-hmm. I know from, yeah, being a travel agent and booking flights, you would always, you knew you could travel back in time essentially from doing that. But I've never, it's never crossed my mind to think, okay, well, I could do New Year's twice. But where did it start from? Like, what made you think about doing this? So uh, that's funny. It was about five years ago for the New Year's, if I think 2016 or 2015, we're looking with my friends where to go. In Europe, somewhere cheap back then, we don't have uh, much money to spend on, on a holiday. And then it occurred to me, uh, what if we go to southern Spain, to Cadiz, uh, find some town on the border with Portugal, party there, uh, move, and then party again, maybe like after 20 minutes, get a cab or something. And uh, they were saying, oh, you're crazy, it's only 20 minutes of party, then moving. And then there's a few moments, I like, kind of like key moments of realization after this. I, I get on the map, no Google Maps, or maybe it was even Google Earth back then. I start looking at different countries. Okay, so Finland and Sweden, it's also a nice one, but it's really small towns. Like, how is the party going to be up there? And I see like different countries. And then after like some hours of looking, I think, what if instead of going west and partying for 20 minutes, we go east? And I start looking on, on my iPhone, so, so many notes of different countries. Uh, that could have been feasible or semi-feasible. And of course, uh, New Zealand and and Hawaii were there. I think they were the first ones since the beginning, but uh, there were many ideas, many things to to think about. Then a few days later, another realization, okay, hold on, I'm not the center of the world. I'm not alone. Probably someone has already thought of this. So I go into Google, I I type New Year's twice, New Year's two consecutive nights, a few searches. And uh, the only thing I could come up were some private jet charters for about like 10 or 20 people advertising it for 250k like really luxury wow. i say well that, that's nice but that's a bit fucked up right <laughs> that the only way that you can do this is 
by having 250k spare to divide between 10 people something that isn't really that hard it's just a plane going and new zealand honolulu sometimes there's commercial flights there why isn't this available let's say to the people and then uh, this is four years ago and it's the kind of thing that some friends and i said okay we're gonna do it you know uh, i had been talking for this for for two three years and then finally about uh, last summer or beginning of 2020 when it was really getting bad with, with covid maybe before the summer i i said okay people won't have uh, in many countries people won't have a proper 2020 new year's eve uh, let's do it twice in 2021 yes. and this has really turned into one of our, our uh, slogans uh, celebrate it twice you are not able to celebrate 2020 come to new zealand and then we'll do new zealand hawaii it's really two uh, amazing places not only for the party but in terms of discovery adventure um, and and all of this and that's in one minute summarize how it came about but it's a lot more than this like my phone uh when i started to, to really put it into a concept about almost a year ago now uh, i had like 10 pages of of notes only uh, like from my phone trend that i had to translate into word it's the kind of thing that i had ideas during many years and i was just translating it finally into a, like a real thing wow you're so right though like because initially I i'm not gonna lie initially i thought like it's it's a tough time to plan something like this and to put something mm -hmm. together, especially when you've had planning for so long. But that makes so much sense to me. Like, it is such a good slogan. Exactly right. I was locked in my house on my own for New mm -hmm. Year's Eve and the idea of Same. getting to do it twice and making up for 2020's New Year's Eve, that is a hit and run. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, for sure. And, and I have to say, if, if it's still bad, it's, it's on our TNCs, terms and conditions, but if it's still uh, bad by then, uh, we're going to return uh, full, full amount. So that's, that's for sure, whether it's uh, cash, if people prefer it, or on, on vouchers with discount for the next year, we, we already decided this. So this is uh, decided. Uh, but on the other hand, I'm very optimistic. Now with all the news that are coming out, um, about vaccines and especially by then it's it's so far away it's uh, one year minus 11 days away so i'm very optimistic that that is not going to be a problem or or a risk for that matter yeah i'm glad you said that though because it's definitely peace of mind and that was going to be one of my questions is if it is still this way what can people expect in terms of what they can get back? Because the world's so different that that's one of the first questions people ask. And no one ever used to ask that when booking any travel because everyone just knew that they were going to go no matter what it took to get them there. But now it's the first question people tend to ask. So that's really good to know. That's awesome peace of mind for anyone wanting to go. So these parties, obviously, I think they sound like going to be great because the way that you explained that this kind of concept came up, I get the idea, correct me if I'm wrong, Ton, but you love a party. And so you wanted to be able to make sure that you could do a good party, but not just once, do it twice. So what are these parties going to look like? Sure. So uh, in terms of me, that was, yeah, one of the reasons that I thought people would like this is that I thought, okay, I, I would like to celebrate New Year's Eve twice. So probably some other people out there would, would want to. Um, I don't think it's for everybody. You, know, you celebrate New Year's Eve and then it's at 8.30 a.m. the next day uh, you fly, eight, eight hours flight. But it's a niche market of people that really like having a good time. And the whole event itself, there's going to be Two big parties first for New Year's Eve, in which we are partnering. Uh, we cannot say yet with, with whom in, in New Zealand and in Hawaii. So the way that we are minimizing the risk is partnering with existing parties. So this is not going to be for the first year 
uh, a new festival rather than we are evaluating what is the the best party in in each place and that fits better with uh, our culture and we are speaking to them and basically we are give we are gonna bring them um, three to six hundred people uh, kind of for free that we we are bringing to their party and then with that we're gonna have some say about what goes on in the parties uh, music uh, certain themes like this but one of the ways that we go to near zero risk for the first year is uh, using existing infrastructure in terms of the parties uh, and then uh, through the next year we can we can scale that into into something else other than these two parties there's going to be big parties also on january 3rd and 5th of 2022 the 5th is the farewell party even if we stay until the 7th because we figured okay at least uh, let's give them a day of rest before the flight <laughs> since uh, the first flight was quite uh, exhausting already but there's possibilities for partying every night so uh, one of our models is uh, fun and freedom uh, in the sense that New Year's twice there is one for for everybody. If they wanna, if somebody wants to go out uh, every night, uh, they can do so. And uh, there's plenty of opportunities. Some of the parties organized by us, yeah, some of them will be uh, recommendations that some of us will join, some not. And if somebody wants to do, uh, wow, if you go to Hawaii, it's an amazing place to hike, mm. to do snorkeling, scuba diving, so on. I would certainly recommend at least coming to the three parties, no? uh, New Year's, so the both <laughs> New Year's Eve's, and then the third and the fifth for. Let's say three parties in, in in Hawaii. Yeah, totally. One of my questions was going to be: cause I love Hawaii. I've been a couple of times. It is so amazing. There's, you're so right. There's so much to see and do outside of the party. And so you're saying that you know you stay there until the seventh, and the accommodations included. And with these activities, are they something that you've already prepaid for that are organised, or are you having? Yeah, okay. So how often and how like each day do you have something prepaid, or are there free days, or what does that kind of look like? Yeah, so that, that's a good question. So it's every day the same four or five activities, from which one I'm sorry, the surprise I cannot uh, say yet is going to be released in two to three weeks. Kind of like a, a big big thing for us. The way it works is every day the same activities go on from January 1st to 6th. And then uh, each time traveler, which is the way that we're calling the people joining us, we're the time traveling community, uh, can cool. choose thank you, can choose which day to do each one of them. That's a really cool way to do it. So it's not everyone does the same thing every day. You have the flexibility to choose between the handful of activities you've got for what you want to do. Uh, so yeah, there's plenty of activities for everyone. Oh, that's awesome. So that was one of my questions. I was going to ask how big is this group size that you're aiming for? So three to 600 people, that's mm -hmm. huge, right? That's not bad. That's not bad. I have to say the party will be even bigger. So yes. this is 600 uh, traveling party. Uh, in the parties themselves, they are in, in, the, in the thousands. Wow. And... The logistics, this is again my travel agent hats going on because I'm just like so interested. So the logistics of this, how? Are you, what are you doing for the flights? Are you chartering a commercial plane or like no, no, just booking commercial tickets or we, what's the We are the chartering go? full planes, either one or two, depending on if it's one. So this is what took the most work and why it took us four years. Uh, this is because we needed the time to be perfect. So we put a lot of time also into thinking where to do it. By chartering the full plane, we get to say... We want it to leave exactly at 8.30 a.m. So we feel maybe 9 a.m. each would be more comfy in terms of maybe getting a bit more of a sleep, but we risk uh, being a bit late. So at 8.30 a.m. after lots of thinking was the, the most optimal time, we uh, kind of can guarantee that if nothing very, very bad happens, 
we'll be there before six and actually we should be there at five just on the flyer it says six <laughs> to be safe that's pretty cool yeah yeah but the way that is- i see it happening is you know in my head i'm like you go out to the auckland party you do whatever you need to do and you probably stay up all night right and then you just get to the plane and you're probably going to sleep on the plane but i've done chartered flights through my work and mm-hmm. It sounds like you're going to sleep on the plane, but if there's alcohol on that plane, chartered flights turn into a whole different fucking party on their own. They are so much fun. You've said that people are kind of mentioning fire Festival vibe right. and you're really wanting to combat that. And when you said that to me and you said, you know, I really want to make a point to mention this, I actually had a giggle to myself. I was like, that is a fucking funny question. And I'm surprised that you've actually kind of got that. I didn't get that vibe or I didn't think of that. But with that documentary coming out, it does make sense why you might be posed that question. So please, can you combat that for anyone Sure, it just, it's a bit funny. We started getting some DMs and some context uh, through the website, like, um, sorry, this, this looks a bit like, like fire or something like this. And maybe it's people that are not familiar with, with Hawaii. So one of the reasons we chose Hawaii and, and Auckland is because it's two metropolitan areas of millions of people. So about one and a half million people live in Hawaii, and that's how we are able to achieve let's say, a different New Year's twice for everybody because it's a huge metropolitan area. You can join our existing parties, but then on a different night, on an off night, people can join other parties. It's it's like an actual big city with a downtown Honolulu and, and so on. And then secondly, we are relying completely on existing infrastructure, both in terms of the hotel. So it's it's not camping, it's, it's four-style hotels only. And then uh, existing uh, party organizers because we just want to kind of like show... Uh, New Year's twice can be done. You can celebrate twice uh, comfortably, have lots of fun. And then as we scale in the next couple of years, then maybe we can think about, okay, let's get kind of like uh, an area where we can put people to camping and really democratize it for everyone, right? And make it uh, cheaper for them. But in the first year, we didn't, we were very certain we did not want to take any of this risk. Also as well, I love the term time traveler. That is so smart. Everyone wants to be a time traveler, right? Mm-hmm. It probably came out either on one of these like uh, long distance flights, 12 hours or in the shower or, or something that I had to run to my iPhone and, and write it down on the notes. We're time travelers, of course. Like, why didn't I think of it before, right? So, <laughs> Do you have any final things that you would like to say or put out there while I've got you? No, thanks a lot. I think we covered everything. Uh, Yeah, just, again, thanks a lot for having me. Very excited to to join you. No, we've been so happy to have you on as well, Ton. Thank you so much for sharing your adventure and we can't wait to see what you and the time travellers get up to. Thanks, and keep in touch. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of One Night in Bangkok. If you have a crazy travel story, tell us about it. You can send us an email, tell us at onenightinbkk.com or hit us up on Instagram at One Night in BKK Podcast. This podcast was born from our shared love of travel and everything it adds to our lives. Until next time, we'll leave you with a snippet of how travel has changed you. Every single time that I've gone somewhere, like I just feel confident and like sure of myself. Yeah, it's just been like really helpful to become like a more confident person, honestly.